Welcome to Brain Tools, and we have a very, very special new episode today called Brain Bites, Sam. Very, very Ooh. excited to introduce this one Hungry. to the Brain Tools community. Oh, so good. How are we, you, man? We all, we all, I'm good. I'm good. And we, we all know that everyone's a bit hungry for more brain science, for more brain tools. So what better way to feed them? Mate, we're just going to feed, give the people what they want. We know that this want. is the case. Um, to tell everyone exactly what Brain Bites is, we were thinking about yep. it, Sam and I, and we're like, look, we've got a main app and it's a, it's a biggie, right? It's, it's the chunky mm. one, lots of brain tools in it. Obviously, there's the cut as well, where we obviously have the, the just the brain tools. And we're like, you know what? Sam and I read a lot every single week. We like to think anyway. There's a bunch of stuff that we're probably not giving the community. So why not do just a bite-sized 10, 15-minute episode, very cash, very chill, um, talking about what we learned this week? Absolutely. That's the vibe. Absolutely. That's the vibe. We just want to share what we're reading, what we're learning, what we're finding, because uh, the amount of informal conversations I have about this stuff that then don't make it to the pod, our main pod, it's crazy. So that's that's what we're going to make happen. Well, we're going to give it a crack, right? And hey, if, the, if this just bombs, we're just going to go with it. Look, if you love it- <laughs> It's just for us. <laughs> reach, it's just for us. As everything. We're selfish creatures. If you love it, let us know. If you hate it, keep your words to yourself, okay? You know, you got nothing nice to say, don't tell us. No kidding. We love a bit of feedback. Uh, but speaking of brain bites, should should we kick off with some of the stuff we've learned this week? I am. I'm so keen, Samuel. Ooh. I would love to. I know you're a voracious reader. I know you're on all the blogs. So talk to me, my man. What did you learn this week? Well, as a uh, information consumer of obesity proportions, I learned something really, really interesting from Nest Labs. Shout out to Nest Labs, and it's this idea of note making versus note taking and using the generation effect. Um, and basically, what it means, what it, what it talks about, is this concept of when you take notes when you're just directly transcribing what someone says, when you're listening to a podcast, watching a video and a lecture, um, your ability to recall that information down the track is actually not that great because your brain is not putting in a lot of effort to process it than to encode it and store it as a memory. Whereas if you make notes, which is write things in your own words, link this old information, old information to the new information you're learning and then create something out of it, you're leveraging this thing called the principle called the generation effect and therefore you're much more likely to remember it. I love that, mate, because I'm just thinking about it, like, you know, having worked with a lot of students before um, being yeah. the, the thing I've done for a while. Not very well, but I try, <laughs> I tried, I've tried. But it's, it's such Ooh. an interesting thing when you compare the words take and make, right, which is like mm. take, I'm taking it from someone, it's not my own, but making yeah, or creating or building something. And so it actually forms really nicely in this sort of generation effect. And I wonder why, though, this stood out to you. Like, why was it interesting? I think it reminded me um, of when I started making and putting content out into the world. So that was uh, LinkedIn. Shout out if you hear from LinkedIn or this potty. And what I noticed was every time I created my own content, every time I actually wrote something up in my own words, I remembered it so much better. And the reason was because it was using this generation effect. Whereas when you're just listening to a podcast, when you're just writing down verbatim what you hear, I would remember almost none of that. So it, it kind of just resonated with my own experiences. 
it's actually such a good point. I'm thinking right now because think about it like when you're in, I'm just being brought back to my lecture days, right? When back mm. at university, you remember when you're in a lecture and you were told at the start, hey, this lecture is not recorded. And everyone's like, ah, no, this is not ideal. Everyone would Legit. literally just sit there just try, transcribing. They were literally human photocopiers. They probably didn't even understand a word of what they were doing, which is, uh, right. I don't know, what I found myself, but I don't know about you. Yeah, I think that mimics my experiences like almost one-to-one. You'd copy it all out and then you'd get to the end of the lecture and walk out for your coffee and look at your mate in the eye right next to you and say, so what was that about again? <laughs> have you got the notes? Zach, have you got my notes? <laughs> do, do, do you know what I love about this is the fact that we're sitting here being like we went we went to lectures? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, I'm talking year one, okay? Uh, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes. Once a year. <laughs> Sorry, I love that. So I think based on this though, like how did, so how does it work and have you got a few examples uh, yeah, that can work? Absolutely. Um, and I'll look at this from two lenses, whether you are a student or whether you're in the workforce is probably a good way to, to look at this. So if you're in the workforce um, and you're consuming content for your job or you're upskilling professionally, whatever it is doing, say for example, you're listening to this podcast or you're watching YouTube videos, rather than just taking notes on what you, what you hear, actually go through the process of making notes. So take your notes and then turn them into another piece of content. For example, maybe you're learning about a new thing at work, a new process or a new law if you're a lawyer or a new market if you're in finance, turn that into a presentation for the people in your office or your team, right? So actually generate a piece of content on the back end of your learning, which is part of this note-making process. Or similarly, if you're a student, you know, you're at a school, Whatever you're learning, turn it into a presentation or create a TikTok or create a YouTube from it because that process of making a note or making a piece of content leverages the generation effect and therefore you're actually going to understand what you're learning much more deeply and get to share it with other people. So that would be two examples of it. So basically take what you're listening to and what you're learning and then turn it into a piece of content you can share with other people to leverage this. I love it. Look at you. You're a man of the people. Students getting a bit of this. Everyday people getting a little bit of this. Not that students are everyday people. But Sean, <laughs> just people. <laughs> just people. Just Karen, people. What are you doing? <laughs> just people. Um, I, I, just a quick like last it, example to wrap up though. For my last workplace, when I was looking into, into kind of neuroscience and, and marketing, I built them a little presentation, delivered it in 20 minutes to share what I was learning. And I can still remember almost everything that I learned in, in the lead up to that. So- that's one way I've used it in the past. I love it. So basically, you've learned this week, note-making, not note-taking, leverage generation effect. Get all the stuff that you've actually written and actually combine it into something like a presentation so that when you use that information, you're more likely to remember it, active recall, and shebang. Bang. Look at that. Note-making on the spot. I'm trying my best here. Got to try some active listening. <laughs> you got to do something. I, I love it. So that's... That's what I took away this week um, as a bit of a reminder. What did you learn? What did you discover this week? So I got a good one, I think, for you because, mate, I know, for no, those up. that don't know, Sam loves a little bit of Golden State Warriors. Loves it. How much do you love? Come on. You love it. Uh, I have multiple jerseys and hats. <laughs> Put it that <laughs> well, way. Will you be loving it? So, therefore, I assume Steph Curry would be a big a big part of this. Abs- absolutely. He's, uh, he's a big part of my life, big part of my dreams. Be part of my aspirations. <laughs> Talking about a serious man crush. I was actually sitting there like month of April, right? The man has just been on fire, hitting 100 yeah. threes, right? He's been and, I, and I was sitting there on one of one of his games. I think he was playing Charlotte. And he literally just went on this absolute tear. He's literally just dropping from mm. every single place. And it reminded me of like, you know, the idea of, you know, the hot hot streak. 
right? When someone's on a hot streak and I was yeah. sitting there being like, he's going to make the next one. He's going to make the next one. He's going to make the next one. And it made me go down this little rabbit hole of something called the hot hand fallacy. Have you heard of this? I have actually. I've seen this a lot. It's a bit of behavioral economics, but it's a very interesting thing in my opinion. Yeah, it's super, super interesting. And basically it, what it says is that the hot hand fallacy is the tendency to believe that someone who has been successful in an activity is more likely to be successful again in further attempts. So, for example, with Steph Curry, we literally just sit there, right, and say, hey, he shot these five shots in a row. He's amazing. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get the next 100 in a row. But we, when we sit there, are like, yeah, this is absolutely locked and loaded. And so it just reminded me of Kobe, LeBron, basketballs particularly, everything. So that was our forefront of my mind this week. Oh, it's such an interesting one too because you do it so subconsciously. Can I ask, what, what did you find so interesting about it yourself? I think it was more like the fact that when I was sitting there, I sort of had an understanding that this wouldn't continue, but that didn't stop my emotions from being tentacles, being yeah. like, no, latch on to this idea. <laughs> it's got to happen. It's like it's almost Legit. like that hopeful thing. And I yeah. found it really interesting. There was this study that I looked at um, by a guy called Joseph Johnson, a professor of marketing, uh, and it appeared in the Journal of Consumer Research. And he basically said people or consumers are more likely to buy a stock when it has a positive earning trend. And it just reminded me of Bitcoin. So I was like, hold on, this is not only in sport, but it's also mm. in Bitcoin and it's also in a bunch of factors. So that made me lean in. Uh, I like that. Nice way to tie that into the crypto market. Um, <laughs> you have I'm you just thinking about- Dogecoin. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about Dogecoin, Dogecoin millionaires. Uh, starting a new crypto channel soon. Everyone follow along. Kidding. Uh, my dad will probably disown me as a financial advisor for 30 plus years. Um, how does it How does it actually work though? Like, Do you have any ways that you found interesting to explain it? Yeah, so I'm a big football man. I'm an Arsenal supporter, so please don't judge me. I know we're doing it's an absolutely horrifically. However, like take a soccer game, right? And it's the same thing. Say a goalie makes like five saves in the first few minutes. We just sit yeah. there assuming it'll continue, but we ignore their average save percentage. We ignore the three-point mm. percentage. So we basically yeah. base a prediction that they're going to do well on a small run of random events without actually considering, hey, these might be completely random. It's not taking away from the skill, but I think it's like the, the pool of data. Or we're making a judgment based on five saves or five shots as opposed to the 2,000 shots or 2,000 sh- uh, saves. And what was so interesting, there was another study that I looked at that basically said there's a greater influence of this hot hand or hot streak effect on people when they believe human skill impacts the outcome. So if it's like an inanimate object or if it's like gambling, which is different, the gambler's fallacy, there's a difference mm. of it, um, which I found fascinating. So we ha- have almost like that overconfidence bias that comes into it as well. And so the examples are clear, right? Gambling on live sports, people who are feeling lucky, teams on win streaks, the workplace, yeah. right? Someone's had a good month, but have they had a good year? Um, there's a, a few applications to it, which I just found interesting. Uh, that is super interesting. I hadn't thought of it in terms of gambling in and objects. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about it with, with people and our overestimation of what people can do because we've got also that um, recency bias coming into play to this. Um, yeah. Bias. How, I like, <laughs> it's, yeah, nice. A bit of bias. How do you use it in your life? How would I use it in my life? Uh, first one, don't gamble. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thanks, that'd teacher. Be, be Thanks, mom. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think the way that I would hopefully apply, and what I'm thinking about is just just be really mindful of 
the heuristic to judge things on small sample sizes. So wherever you can, whether it's yeah. in business, whether it's in life, whether you're making a decision, just make sure that the data set you're looking at, your sample size, is a lot larger than you think it is because otherwise you're going to be prey to the emotions and the biases, the hot hand fallacy, and you're going to think it's going to last. Um, so, yeah, that's my that's my main application. It's more an awareness thing. Mm, yep, keep it front of mind. Um, I'm even thinking now, building on that awareness thing, one, one tactic you could use is to try to go back before the hot hot hand started. So for example, with Steph Curry, think about earlier this year, you're like, oh, remember how he started off slow? And that gives you a bit of contrast there. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And it's like also with so many different things in terms of like human progress, right? Which I was thinking about, like we're taking this year, mm. coronavirus is one year, but we don't look at human history in a hundred years, a thousand years. We don't look at the world 13.8 billion years. Yeah. I just wanted to get very, very philosophical then just because, because we're wrapping this bad boy up now, but- I just wanted to put that out there. Don't Go look deep. at small sample sizes, large sample sizes. <laughs> it's a deep brain buy. <laughs> it's a deep brain buy. Um, I mean, mate, like, makes a lot of sense. Don't look at small sample sizes. Be aware that we overestimate human skill based on recent events, and we can use that to project out forwards. And that has implications for both gambling, for stock picking, for how well people do in sports and how we expect them to do in the future. And so be really wary of that. Um, in your work and in your life and, and in your actions. I love it. First episode of Brain Bites. Done. Short, sharp, sweet. What we learned. Done. Yeah, I know. Kicked it off for the week. Uh, I hope you're feeling somewhat satiated. And if you're not, guess what? More Brain Bites next week. Keep feeding you. All right. See you then. See ya. See ya.